Searching for NBA playoff coverage? We've got you. The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, gives you an inside look into the world of sports. Hosted by former NBA sharpshooter and Duke legend J.J. Redick and sports writer Tommy Alter, The Old Man and the Three offers unprecedented access to the league. Tommy and J.J. discuss the NBA and interview some of the biggest names in the league, like Devin Booker and Luka Doncic. NBA final season is the perfect time to dive in, and you can listen to The Old Man and the Three wherever you get your podcasts. To hear episodes brought to you by BMW. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. Hey everybody, welcome to Take Off with John Clark, presented by NJM Insurance, and we're talking Flyers with the GM Chuck Fletcher. He gave the team a makeover. They're getting ready for the preseason and of course the regular season. Here is a deep conversation about your new look Flyers. Uh, welcome in our special guest, Flyers General Manager Chuck Fletcher. Uh, appreciate you uh, joining us and, and you're pretty pretty happy that everything is getting going now and you kind of have things more in order this year after a year and a half of the pandemic? Yeah, we sure hope so. It's, it's great to have everybody back in the rink. Our, our whole team is vaccinated. Knock on wood, we're in a good place now. And it's, it's exciting. The training camp will be different. We'll have more scrimmages. We'll have fans back in watching our practices. We're going to have, uh, you know, preseason games this year, which we didn't have last year. So... I think we're excited just to get back to the old routine and, and build our team the way that we, we hope we can and get through the next three weeks, three and a half weeks, and get ready for a real good regular season. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it and travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel, it's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. When the pandemic hit, you guys were the best home team in all of hockey, and then that's all gone. Uh, Are you hoping to get that mojo back with a full house at uh, the Wells Fargo Center? I hope so. We stunk at home last year. We were real good. Uh, A couple years ago, historically, we've been a strong franchise at home and you know our big reason for that last year was different empty building we didn't play well and uh, and you know what sometimes you, you you have the fans you have a little bit of a tough start they get on you or they or they cheer if you make a good play and you get that momentum going a little bit again and it'll be great to have home ice advantage because it's a tough building to play in wells fargo really really tough building to play in and you hear it all the time from visiting teams when the when the building's jammed and we're playing well, it, it's, there's no place to hide on the ice out there. So we want to get back to that and we hope uh, we can get the fans back and we can earn their cheers and, and make that a loud, uh, unforgiving place for our, for our opponents again. Last year you said the makeup of the team maybe just wasn't quite right and you wanted to change that. You certainly have. What was it about the makeup that you wanted to change and, and do you think you've done that? Uh, you know, we believe we have. Last year I, I thought we were too young. And at sometimes those younger players played fine, uh, but you know when when uh, adversity hit, when we struggled, I, I just felt we were a little bit long, uh, a little bit young. I thought our leadership group was wasn't quite big enough, maybe to handle some of the things we were dealing with. Uh, we didn't have a lot of experience dealing with in a pandemic. Unfortunately, we had COVID 
kind of ravage our team. There was a lot of things I think if we had a few more veterans, it may have been easier to get through. So uh, particularly on defense this year, you look at Ellis, Ristolain, and Yandel combined. They have over 2,100 games of NHL experience. The guys they replaced had about 600. So we picked up 14, 1,500 games of NHL experience on the back end alone, never mind up front. You know, hopefully uh, uh, that experience will come in handy. It's a long year. There's going to be adversity. There's going to be things that go wrong. And when you have players that have been through those battles, have seen the ups, seen the downs, all the old cliches, but that have kind of lived there and done that, uh, I, I think it'll help our group. So we're excited about that. You mentioned some of the guys you brought in, and then there's Cam Atkinson. So it wasn't just the play on the ice that was important to you. It was also kind of how they would fit into the room and maybe an attitude and a mentality that they bring with everybody in the room? Yeah, we, we brought in some players with big personalities, and, and, and I mean that in a good way. Atkinson, Keith Yandel, uh, Ryan Ellis is, is a proven vet, but guys like Atkinson and Yandel, I don't think they have bad days. They come to the rink, they're bouncing off the walls, they're funny guys. They put the time in, they work, they compete, but again, there's, there's a, a real personality to this group that I think we may have been lacking a little bit last year. A lot of experience, a lot of character, and they're good hockey players, but I do think the room's going to be a louder, more boisterous room. Uh, and, and hey, it's a long year. There's times you need some energy. You, you need some guys coming in with the sunshine pump, and, and I think we'll have that this year. And it seems like, okay, you've got a lot of new players, but a lot of these guys know each other and they're friends. So does that help kind of having that relationship already there with some of these guys for the chemistry of the team? Well, it wasn't intentional, but it worked out that way. It seems like everybody has some connection to Kevin Hayes. He's kind of <laughs> seems to be the godfather of this whole offseason transformation. But it was unintended, a, a little bit serendipitous in that sense, how it all came together. But they all, I mean, Derek Broussard has a connection with all these guys, Cam Atkinson, Keith Yandel. You go right through it. It seems like they, they all know each other uh, in different ways. But it, it'll be a fun group, and, and I, hopefully that familiarity uh, pays off over, over the long stretch. And, and uh, again, having all these veteran guys will take some of the pressure off our younger players and maybe allow the younger players just to focus on playing, and that will help in their development as well. You mentioned the uh, six degrees of separation with Kevin Hayes. Some of the guys you mentioned with Kevin also played for Elaine Vigneault. Uh, was that Elaine saying, hey, I need some more of my guys that know how to play my way or, or guys in the locker room that will kind of take that message to the younger guys, an extension of the coaching staff? I think with Derek Broussard it was. We were looking for another player to provide depth, another veteran player. and. And uh, sometimes when you're bringing a player and you're asking them to play a bottom six role, the minutes aren't huge. Uh, in this case, the fact that Derek knows AV, played for him, AV knows Derek, will, will really help in terms of the communication, the expectations for that role. And, and I think it, it made both Derek and AV feel comfortable about the role, knowing that they both had been through that process before with the Rangers. So, uh, you know... It, some of it just kind of happened. They were the best players available, but in Broussard's case, it was certainly, if we're going to bring in that type of veteran player, why not bring in a player that A.V. knows and trusts? You had probably the biggest makeover, I believe, in the NHL in the offseason, and I think you said it was a long offseason, so guys were able to get in shape. Uh, they were able to get their bodies right. How disappointing was this that Kevin Hayes, right before you're getting everything going, felt something again? Uh, and it looks like he's going to be out from what you guys say a month and a half to two months. Yeah, you're looking at six to eight weeks. I mean, it's really unfortunate. Um, on the other hand, the fact it happened now, 
you know, you can miss somewhere between 7 to 10, 7 to 12 games. So there's still going to be a whole bunch of hockey left when he gets back. Hopefully he can come back, uh, you know, healthy and ready to play. So if there's any time to have this type of injury, obviously maybe a month ago would have been better than, than a week ago, but at least uh, we still have three, four weeks before we get going. So some of this time is kind of dead time in, in my estimation, and he'll be ready to go. But it's also an opportunity for some of the younger players maybe to show what they can do, whether that's Tanner Lazinski, Morgan Frost. And uh, again, this is why you go sign a Derek Broussard. You sign some of these players. You, you hope uh, injuries don't rear their ugly head and you have, to, you have to push guys higher up in the lineup than maybe what you anticipated. But we think we have some of that depth uh, to get through this. Kevin Hayes had the surgery. I believe it was like four months ago. Is this something related to that sports hernia surgery? It's hard to say. It's, it's a slightly different injury. Uh, all of that stuff can be connected. You know, the hips, the groin, the, in, the, uh, in that adductor type of area, the abdominal area. Uh, there's a lot of stuff going on there. I don't know, but uh, it's unfortunate. Injuries happen. Um, a little bit of bad luck here. And again, fortunately, uh, we have four weeks to the season starts. So in that sense, half of his, uh, of his recovery time will be just preseason, and, and he's only going to hopefully miss seven, eight, you know, at worst, maybe 10, 11 games. So we're going to get back Kevin for the majority of the season. I know he'll be fired up and ready to go. And, and uh, again, just some of the adversity you know you have to deal with over a course of the season. Give people an idea, though, your job when you think everything is going swimmingly and then all of a sudden you look at your phone or, I mean, sometimes you see a number coming in or a name on your phone. You're like, oh, no. I don't want to answer this. I don't want to see this text. Well, that's our athletic trainer. I love Jimmy McCrossin, but usually he's not calling me to say hello. And I get a call from him or a text from him. It's something. And, uh, you know, and, th and that's the whole job. And last year was maybe more pronounced because of uh, all the testing, the daily testing we were doing. You just wake up in a sweat some mornings wondering who got COVID today or what are we going to deal with today. But that's sort of the job of a GM. You, you come to the rink. You don't know if you're going to be 100% healthy. And, you have to assume, again, things are going to happen, and you hope you have enough depth to get through it. And that's what we spent most of the summer doing, building that depth. And we have some good young players that our scouts have, have drafted and, and that our American League team and our development coaches have developed. And I think we'll be in a much better position this year than we were last year to deal with adversity when it does hit, and it will hit. Some insurance companies use jingles and mascots, but not NJM. When you're upfront with your customers, you don't need gimmicks. NJM, no jingles or mascots, just great insurance. Get a quote today at NJM.com. I think the media and I think the fans appreciate you being open about what's happened to some of these guys. I mean, I remember old time hockey. If a guy got his left knee busted up, they'd say, hey, go around with your right knee wrapped up and they'd go upper body injury or lower body injury. Uh, how come you've decided to be a little more open and transparent about everything with injuries? It just it gets out there, you know, and in some cases uh, we'll, we'll occasionally say upper body if it's multiple injuries. Sometimes we have a player that has two or three things, so we'll, we'll say upper body, but it's just as well to be transparent. And I, I think the old school way of thinking was if, if you didn't mention where the injury was and maybe your opponent couldn't target that area when the player came back, but stuff does get out. And, and uh, so let's just get ahead of it. Let's get the information out and, and uh, just let everybody do their job and move on. But we appreciate it, so we don't have to keep digging and asking everybody, right? Exactly, and that's what happens. You keep digging, so we may as well just get out ahead of it. Yeah, well, we thank you for that.
How about last year defensively? Uh, do you think it was more the defense or Carter Hart that struggled and was really your goal of the offseason to really strengthen that defense so it helps the defense and it helps Carter? It was all of it. I actually think it started up ice with our forwards. I think our forwards did a terrible job of, of playing the game the right way, of managing the puck. They turned pucks over, which gives a short sheet of ice for the opponent to, to attack on the counterattack after that turnover. Uh, we often lost our third guy in the offensive zone to give up odd man rushes. So uh, we had a really young defense core, which was on me. We lost some experience on the back end. Uh, we tried to replace it with some young, promising players. We probably asked too much of those young players. And so when our forwards didn't play the right way, now we're asking our defense to even do more. And that put our goaltenders in a bad position. Look, nobody played well. Our goaltenders didn't play well. Our defense didn't play well. Our forwards didn't play well. It was a true uh, team effort. And, but again, a lot of it started with me not having the depth and not having the right players in the positions to, to allow our team to function the right way. So uh, we'll be better prepared. We have more depth this year. We have more experience this year. Our younger players have gone through some of the issues last year. They'll be stronger for it, in particular Carter Hart. He's got some adversity now he can fall back on. He's been through some of those tough, dark days last year. He'll be better for that. Yeah, good, good young players, they learn from that. And uh, hey, we got five, six weeks to get ready. Uh, the first uh, two weeks of the year, or the regular season, we're at home. So we got the three and a half weeks of camp, two weeks of the regular season. We got a long stretch at home, lots of practice time, lots of video time, lots of teaching moments. Shame on us if we're not ready to go. We'll be ready to go. And Carter, obviously, was really tough on him. Uh, he said he was isolated a lot during the pandemic, not able to converse with teammates or hang out as much. And you're going to have ups and downs as a young player. So do you think he's in the right mental space now, putting that behind him, but also learning from it and showing up here with that right attitude? Yeah. Look, everybody in the world went through the pandemic. And so we're not making excuses. But I, I will say when times are tough, and uh, you're going back to your own apartment. You can't go out for dinner with anybody. You can't go to a, a movie. You can't go to a sporting event. You're stuck in your room by yourself. It, you, your family can't come in and see you. Well, I think when times were tough and you're, you're struggling with other issues, you know, the isolation doesn't help. You know, maybe when things are going well, it's easier to deal with that isolation with some of the challenges the pandemic brought for all of us. Uh, when you're single versus a family, uh, I, I think there's different challenges some of these young players faced, in particular when you're struggling. I, I think it'll make him uh, stronger for sure to go through that. Look, this guy's been a top goalie at every level. His pedigree speaks for itself. A top junior guy, he's won a World Junior Championship, been a top guy in the American League, been a strong, won a playoff series in the NHL. He's been, he's been the guy. He's going to be the guy again. But, you know, Things don't always progress in, you know, in, in an upwardly mobile fashion. It's not a linear uh, line steadily growing north uh, when you're a young player breaking into the league. There's going to be some challenges. Uh, he'll grow from it. He'll learn from it. And he's going to be a real good goalie. With the defense that you've assembled now, you guys still going to work through about the best pairings and, and the best way to get them on the ice? And, and uh, with the defense, do you think you've got enough scoring with you know, like your top six forwards there? Yeah, we believe, you know, we have enough scoring. Uh, we have three lines we feel that can contribute offensively. All four lines should be uh, above average to good defensively. On defense, I, I think it's a stronger, more experienced group. 
you know, a little bit more competitiveness, some guys uh, in particular that are better penalty killers, which was a big uh, issue for us last year. Uh, Atkinson and, and Thompson up front are, are strong penalty killers. Ellis is a really strong penalty killer. Ristolainen is a man that brings that physical presence to the front of the net. So we think as a group, uh, we've we plugged some holes, but we've brought some guys in that will help in situations, whether it's defensive zone face-offs, whether it's penalty kill, uh, you know, whether it's physicality. We think we've improved certain areas that will lend itself to having a better defensive team effort. You talked about having some big personality. I've seen some of the interviews with these guys. I think Philly likes it. Uh, who do you think out of all those guys we're going to have to bleep more on the uh, Flyers postgame shows? Oh, I, <laughs> I don't even know, but there, there's some energy there. Um, there's some guys that uh, I think will be honest. Uh, they'll, they'll come clean. I think the fans will like that. But, uh, again, every day around here I've, I've walked down – uh, you know, over the last couple of weeks when the guys have been congregating, skating on their own, you hear them laughing, you hear, you know, loud voices, you hear them going after each other, you know, giving each other the gears, and uh, you, you hear the, the energy on the ice when they've been scrimmaging amongst themselves. So uh, there's a lot of energy here, and we're excited about that. I think the players like uh, the new look. I think they, they feel the energy, and, and it's definitely a different feel around here. You guys have really hit a benchmark here of, of getting 100% vaccination. I mean, that's very impressive. Uh, were there some guys that holding out? Did you have to push? Or how did you get to 100%? No, uh, you know, we didn't have to push a lot of guys. I mean, we did have some guys that were um, in Europe uh, in the off season and didn't have access to the, the vaccines that are readily available in North America that you need to have for the NHL and NHLPA protocols. There's only certain vaccines that are recognized. So some guys had to wait till they came back here to, to uh, get the vaccination because they, they just physically couldn't get it uh, in their home countries. But our, our guys, uh, we had some guys ask questions that wanted to be educated. Um, there was a lot of resources available to them. They uh, you know, I think they got the information they wanted, but at the end of the day, we didn't have to push at all. The guys got it. Again, in some cases, there were some availability issues. They had to wait till they came back to, uh, to, the, to the New Jersey, Philadelphia area here. And once they did, everyone's vaccinated. We're ready to go, and, and we're excited. It, it, the rules are, when you're fully vaccinated for a team, the rules of engagement are much better. We can go to restaurants. Uh, there's more things we can do in a group when we're, when we're together, and I think it'll make life uh, much easier. And guys will be much happier. How about Sean Couturier? Uh, he told us that he could have gone for more money, could have gotten all the money, uh, but didn't need all of it. He, he wanted to leave a little bit there maybe for the team, but he's happy here. What does that say about Coots as a guy? Well, it says a lot about him as a guy, but... Let's not kid ourselves. We still gave him some money. <laughs> He's doing all right. But no, you know, in our business, uh, that cap number is so critical. We found different ways, I think, of extending the money over term and, and lengthening his contract. And we provided him probably more signing bonus than what the regular player would get. So we did some different things, I think, that uh, were important for Sean. And in turn, he gave us a great cap number. And, you know, he, he's, uh, he's our... I'd have to say our best player right now, he's one of the leaders of our team and he's going to be a very important part of our club for the next nine years. So, you know, the fact that that cap number didn't have an eight in front of it, didn't have a nine in front of it, uh, was really important so that we could build the group around him and, 
and hopefully uh, build the best team possible to try to win Stanley Cups while he's here. And he recognized that. He wanted that. He wanted to get paid, don't get me wrong, but he wants to win. And he understood there was a little bit of a, of a balance there. And uh, I think, in, in my opinion, at least he struck the right balance, and we appreciated working with him. So you, as a young kid, uh, I think your dad had said that you were in on some meetings like early teenager, early, early teens, yeah, yeah. So, some big team meetings. I mean, how cool was that as a, as a kid, teenager, to be sitting there with your dad and, and hearing about some big decisions? And, and were you kind of born to be in this job? I, I, he certainly helped, uh, helped raise me that way. I mean, the opportunity to travel with the team, even as a young kid when I was 9, 10 years old, he'd let me pick one road trip every year, skip school, oh, and wow. uh, fly with the team and be on the team bus and go to the game. And, in the scouting meetings, he'd allowed me to, to listen in, and sometimes he'd even ask for my opinion. And I used to think he listened to me. I, I don't think he did, but he made me feel important. And, and uh, you know, growing up in that environment, feeling like you're part of the management staff and part of the equipment staff, I'd go down and help uh, the equipment managers load the bags on the on the truck to, to go to the visiting cities. I, I whatever, whatever. I did it all. I hung around the, the players and and um, got to know them all, and, and uh, it, it was a great way of growing up, and certainly it, it helped lead to where I am today for sure. It certainly helped uh, provide me a, a love of the game that, and opportunities to be around the game that very few people ever have. That's really cool. Did, is there something that really stood out to you that you learned from your dad as far as whether it's trades or strategy or off-season plans or analyzing a roster or anything that you really took away yeah, from your dad? He's a He's a bright guy. He had a Hall of Fame career. I got yep. a long way to go to, to be as smart as, as he is. But what he taught me was how he used his people, how he made them all feel important, and because they were important. He, he had a big staff. He canvassed their opinions. He listened. And, uh, you know, he, he really ran a very collaborative organization before uh, that was even a term. Now you talk about... Uh, you know, different management styles, the top-down style, the collaborative style, but he had a collaborative style before it was even in vogue, and, and I learned a lot about managing people from him just, just by watching how he operated. Was there a first wow moment when you were a little kid seeing these big hockey players being around him or something happened on the road or something where you're just like, wow, I'm, yeah. I'm here for this? Yeah, just I remember going on a road trip and – to uh, the Washington Capitals, I think it was a 76-77 season, and Ray Como, who was my favorite player at the time, uh, scored two goals. And, and just being on, uh, on the trip and seeing him score and seeing him coming out of the room, and, and uh, I don't think we even high-fived back then. I don't even know what we did, but uh, shook his hand or whatever you do when you're nine years old, seeing your idol at the time score two goals on the road was, was pretty cool. But uh, there were some cool moments along the way, and... Seeing my dad uh, uh, had a pre pretty good playoff run back in 1981. They knocked off Chicago. They actually knocked off the Flyers uh, way back when, when he was in Calgary and lost to Minnesota in the third round and kind of going through the first long playoff run. There lots of great memories. And uh, the, the best of all was uh, watching him win a Stanley Cup in 1989. The, the Calgary Flames beat Montreal Canadiens and won the Stanley Cup in Montreal, still the only visiting team that ever hoisted the Stanley Cup in the Montreal Forum. The Canadians won lots of Stanley Cups there, but a visiting team had never won until then. And my dad had started his career in the Canadians organization. So 
seeing how proud he was and seeing that moment was, was the greatest moment, uh, you know, that I got to experience with him. Here in Philly, it's been since 1975, so a long time. I mean, do you ever walk by the offices and see that cup and just say, we got to get this back here? Well, I get to speak with uh, Bob Clark and, and Billy Barber and, and some of the veteran guys that were, were part of those teams and have been around a long time. And, of course, Paul Holmgren came in right after that, I think, in the 70. Uh, 677 season may have been his first full season, if I'm not mistaken. But a lot of great teams here, a lot of great runs, and, and some near misses since then. So, yeah, we got to get back there, and that's certainly our goal, and that's why we're all in the business. But, uh, you know, we, we're, we're doing everything we can to get back there, and, and, and uh, you know, we're, we're hopeful we're going to do it very soon. A couple final questions for you. I hear you're a big uh, Minnesota sports fan. Uh, uh. Different From living there, teams, yeah. All right, so Vikings, Eagles, Super Bowl, three wow. and a half years ago. Where were you? Well, I, I lived through the the, uh, the NFC game there. When, I'm sorry, did I say Vikings, Eagles? I've said NFC title game. Yeah, sorry, I that, skipped, was, skipped. that was that uh, was as a, a Vikings fan back then. That was, I will say, the opening drive. I believe the Vikings marched down the field yep. and scored. It was seven nothing. I had a smile on my face, and it was all <laughs> it was over quickly after that. I got to go to the Super Bowl a couple weeks later, and I was definitely pulling for the Eagles over the, over the Patriots. I was there, incredible game, and one of the most entertaining football games I've ever seen. There was, the, both offenses were moving up and down the field pretty well. It was a heck of a game, and, and uh, Nick Foles did a great job that day. But I got my Eagles hat, and uh, I definitely cheer for the Eagles. Nice. So, so do you remember, like, because the Vikings literally, they went right down the field, and everybody's like, oh, my goodness. And then they were I moving know. the ball again. Yeah. And then you remember who stepped in to uh, kind of, you know, get the hit on the quarterback? I, I don't. Chris Long. And then Patrick Robinson got the interception, and then it was just downhill. It was all over. And, yeah. and honestly, I don't even know how many first downs there were after that right. from the Vikings standpoint. And the Eagles just waxed them. Eagles were a great team. They won the Super Bowl, and Patriots were – you know, the, the Vikings had a good team that year. The Patriots had a great team. So for the Eagles to beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl, it wasn't like they backed into anything. You had to literally beat the best to be the best, and, and that was a, it was a fun game and a pretty cool moment, I'm sure, for, for Eagle fans. And you got a taste of the Philadelphia fans in the stands celebrating oh, yeah. that first Super Bowl. Oh, yeah, and in the city, in the city. Yeah. There was a lot, of, a lot of green in the city. To wrap it up, uh, Elaine Vigneault, he likes his martinis after the game. What, do you, are you a martini guy? Or are you with Elaine on that or no? Do I look like a martini guy? <laughs> I didn't think so. <laughs> no, whatever, whatever the flavor of the day is. No, there you have, go. have a beer after a game from time to time. But, but uh, no, I just definitely a beer tastes better after a win. Let's put it that way. And, and hopefully, uh, hopefully we, we win a few more games this year. I got it. Thanks a lot for the time. Appreciate it. And, and best of success this year for your season. Yeah, thank you. We're excited about it. The greatest. Oh, I'm so flagrant.